Blessings in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. This is Brother James from True Church, False Church. Today I want to discuss the beast and his mark. I really want to hone in on the mark of the beast. I believe that the days we're living in are obviously very wicked, um, but at the same time they're a lot of people that are seeing so much prophecy being fulfilled, and I agree with uh, a lot of it, but at the same time, there is a lot of um, deception. There's a lot of pin the tail on the Antichrist going on. There's a lot of this is the mark. No, this is going to be the mark. The mark's going to be a chip. The mark's going to be this. The mark's going to be that. And I believe that we have a loving father who is eternal and who tells the end from the beginning and he has given us his word and he has given us his holy spirit so that we can understand the times that we're living in so that as we are walking this out we can discern things by the spirit but more importantly by his word and i believe that um as we look at Revelations chapter 12 and chapter 13, I believe that everything is laid out in a chronological order so that we can discern and also recognize the seasons that we're in. With that said, I want to make it clear that the mark of the beast is not going to be a virus. Or, I'm sorry, it's not going to be a shot for the virus, the coronavirus, a vaccine for the virus. Um, I believe that as we go through this, we're going to see that the mark of the beast is connected to worship. It's going to be every human being is going to have that opportunity to deny worshiping the Antichrist or worshiping the antichrist <clears throat> he that is satan and the antichrist and the false prophet they are after worship the whole thrust of the image of the beast and the mark of the beast is worship we have to understand that it is worship yesterday i received an email concerning is the mark going to be on or in? Revel, uh, King James says it's in the, in the right hand or in the forehead. Other translation says it's on or upon. And, you know, people are saying, well, because the King James says in the right hand and in the forehead, it's going to be a chip. And I would say that we need to just pull back from being um, speculating so much because as we get closer to the unraveling of who the Antichrist is and the image and the mark, I think everything will start to make sense. And those that have eyes to see will see. Those that have ears to hear will hear. The Bible will become alive to us in those days as we're living it out. I don't think we need to start um, debating over those types of issues. But I also want to say that because it's about worship... I really think that it's probably going to be more visible um, than it will not be. 
And that's not to say that the chip, a, a chip, could be built to where um, it'll be visible, though it may, be go, may go in to the hand or into the forehead, it could still be transparent or visible, seen, you know, through the skin in a sense to where, um, you know, it's kind of like braille or something to where it could still be visible. But again, I don't think we're that close for us to begin to um, debate about that or make issues about that. But I want to also make it clear that the whole purpose, my whole thrust of doing this message is to point out the chronological order by which the mark of the beast comes about. We as Christians need to remember that we have neighbors, coworkers, friends, and family members that are looking to us. And when we say, oh, this is this and this is that and this is the mark of the beast or this is the Antichrist and it never plays out, we lose our credibility. Especially when we say, well, the Bible says this and I believe that, that that's that and I prayed and the Lord told me that this is that and, and it never pans out. We lose our credibility. But not only do we lose our credibility with our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers and our family members, but we discredit the Bible. We discredit the Bible and to them, and in many ways, we discredit God to them. And we need to stop. We need to stop bouncing all over the wall. We need to be sound. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And when we're playing pin the tail on the Antichrist, when we're labeling everything the mark of the beast, and it never comes to pass, we're not showing that we have that sound mind that comes from God. Now, there may be a lot of precursors to the Antichrist. There may be a lot of precursors to the mark of the beast. These things are true. But we need to speak as such. We need to make it very clear that I don't believe that this is the Antichrist, but wow, look at how he definitely has an Antichrist spirit. I don't believe that this is the mark of the beast, but I could see how this is conditioning us to, or conditioning the world to get used to an image or a mark. I could see these things. But to just call something or to call someone the Antichrist because they have some characteristics that line up with the Antichrist is not wise. To label something the mark of the beast because it, it's an image that is obviously anti-God, anti-Christ, but it's not the actual mark of the beast, that's not wise. And I believe that a lot of Christians will not only discredit themselves and discredit the scriptures and discredit God, but I believe a lot of Christians might even die prematurely because they're going to be afraid that something's the mark of the beast when it's not the mark of the beast. So I believe that we're living in an hour that is starting to heat up, is starting to ramp up. The pressure is starting to ramp up. We're hearing of distress all across the world and i think that that within itself is amazing because as we get into revelations 12 and 13 and we read some things we i could see how 
some of these events that the Bible says are going to take place, how the whole world will be able to see and hear about these events with the way media and YouTube and Facebook, with so many platforms that with social media platforms that we have, we could see how the whole world will be able to see these things and how the whole world could be deceived by these things because of the way the world is all connected today. So I could say, without a doubt, Yes, we are living in some amazing times, but it's a time in which we are called to sobriety. It is a time in which we are called to seeking the face of God and searching his word, crying out to God to be our teacher. There, we are in a time that it, it is so vital that we trust in God to be our teacher. It is a time where we got to let every man be true, including ourselves, and let God be true. So my whole thrust for this message is not to dissect every single sentence, but to really lay out the chronological order, something that we can put our hope in, to know that we're not going to be misled because God has laid out his word so that when we see this take place, we can almost guarantee the next thing that's going to take place or the next main event that'll take place will be this. And the next main event will be this and so on and so forth. Because I believe that's the way God has laid out his word in Revelations 12 and 13. So let's get started. Open up your Bibles to Revelations chapter 12. And we're going to start in verse 9 and we're going to work our way through to the end of chapter 13. But before we start reading, let us pray. Father, in the wonderful and matchless name of your Holy Son, Jesus Christ, we come before you, Father. And Father, we confess that you are a loving God. You're our loving Father, our Holy Father, our Heavenly Father, our Eternal Father. The one who knows all things, the one that has called the end from the very beginning and has revealed it to us, his church, his saints, his children, so that we will not be deceived and so that we will clearly know what will happen in the end. And we won't walk with fear, but full of faith, knowing that you are and that you are a rewarder of those that diligently seek you. So, Father, may you be our teacher this day. May you help us. May you give us eyes to see and ears to hear. For we know that these days that we're reading about will shortly come to pass. But we know that you are with us and that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. So we don't have to walk in fear. We don't have to walk with anxiety. But as we see these things come to pass, our faith shall increase, our faith shall grow because we will see that you've called it to come to pass. You declared that it would happen. You revealed that it would happen and we will see it happen. And that within itself should build faith, not fear, but faith and the one true living God. So Father, I pray not only for myself, but I pray for those that are listening to this message that you would speak to us, that you would open up your word to us. Lord Jesus, even as you opened up your word to those disciples that walked with you on the road to Emmaus, I pray that you would open up your word to us and that our hearts would burn for you all the more. Father, it's in the name of your son, Jesus, that we pray. 
Amen. Revelations chapter 12, starting in verse 9. Let's actually start in verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the, drag, the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast onto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and a half a time for the face of, from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God, and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So let's just stop here and let's look at a few key points. Um, one of the key points that I think, and again, Immediately from this point going forward, we start to see this chronological order take place. We see that the first thing that takes place is that Satan, the dragon, the great dragon. Notice how it's, he's called the great dragon. He's called the serpent. He's called the devil. He's called the Satan. He's, he's the one that has deceived the whole world. He is kicked out of heaven and he is cast onto the earth. So that's the first point I want to make. The second point is that he goes out to make war with God's people. But in verse 11, it says about God's people that they overcome him, that is Satan, by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and that they love not their lives unto the death. This is key here. I think that us Americans, us Westerner Christians, we haven't been challenged much in our faith. And the key to overcoming in these days, the, keys to, the key to overcoming is not loving our lives, even to the point of death. And I think that as the days approaching us, the days that are approaching us, we are going to have to really rethink what we have been taught by so many false teachers in America. And we're going to have to go back to the words of Jesus and to his apostles. And we're going to have to go back to the foundation of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
Jesus said that unless we deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow him, we're not worthy of him. Jesus said if we don't hate our mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, children, wives, and yes, our own lives also, we're not worthy of him. Before anybody can enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we must deny ourselves and everything that is attached to self. We must crucify, we must put it to death, and we must follow Jesus daily. That's what it means to be a disciple. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what makes us saints, holy ones is that we deny ourselves. We crucify ourselves. We put ourselves to death, the, the self-life. We put it to death and we follow Jesus. And because we're following Jesus, we are holy. Not because of, of what we are, what we do, but because we're following Jesus and we have been sanctified by his blood. And he enables us by his spirit to follow him, even if it is to death even if it is to death, because we love love not our lives. We are going to be challenged in the West like never before. Our brothers and sisters in in China and and, um, the Middle East and other parts of the world where they're suffering severe persecution, that's all they know. That's all they know. But on the other hand, they haven't been challenged with the freedom that we have, the freedom to indulge in worldly materials. We have our own challenge, but we all have the same Christ. We all have the same Father. We all have the same Spirit. We all have the same Word, and we all have the same call to deny ourselves. And God is faithful to help us if we turn to Him and we turn away from ourselves, and we turn to Him, He is faithful to get us through. So look not to your own strength. Look not to yourself. Deny yourself. Put it to death. Love not your own life. And cast yourself completely upon the Father, and upon the Son, and upon the Holy Spirit, and upon His Holy Word, and we will overcome. We will overcome. By the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of our testimony, we will overcome. Verse 12, this loud voice is calling the heavens and all that dwell in the heavens to rejoice because the accuser of the brethren, Satan, has been cast out of heaven. He calls the heavens to rejoice. But then he pronounces a woe over those that are inhabiting the the dwellers of the earth. He's pronouncing a woe over us. Why? Because this great dragon is coming down to the earth with great wrath. And I believe that's where we get the term great tribulation because it's the great dragon being cast down onto the earth and he comes down with great wrath knowing that he has but a short time. And his time is limited to three and a half years. 42 months. A times, a times, times and a half, three and a half years. That is like one of the major numbers in the book of Revelations. Our time frame is 42 months, three and a half years, a time, times and a half and a time. 
He has a short time and he knows it. He knows his fate. He knows his end. But in his arrogance and his pride and his wrath, he comes down to earth knowing he has a short time and he comes to bring about this great persecution upon those that will keep the commandments of God and have the testimony in Jesus Christ. Verse 17 makes it very clear that you're going to have both Jew and Christian on the earth. You're going to have those that are what Paul calls the remnant of Israel that are going to be faithful to the commandments of their God, but still blinded to the fact that Jesus is their Messiah. But then you're going to have the church on the earth who are here on the earth provoking those Jews to jealousy by their testimony of Jesus Christ and suffering the same fate as the Jews. They're suffering because they're keeping the commandments of God. We're suffering because of our testimony of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Verse 13, 14, and 15, and 16, this persecution that is painted there um, of him opening up his mouth and casting water as a flood at them. I believe that's the, the, the tribulation period. And I believe that chapter 13 is the unveiling of what he's actually going to do. That casting out of the water, that persecution, that great wrath. I believe chapter 13 unpacks that for us. I believe that the Bible is self-interpreting. But I also believe that there's certain aspects of the Bible, especially the book of Revelations, where you got to dig in. You got to dig into prayer. You got to dig into comparing scripture with scripture. Um, you really got to study. You really got to pray. You really got to be sensitive to Holy Spirit. And I believe that God will unpack it for us, especially as we get closer to the end. So I'm going to jump down to chapter 13 and start from there. So <clears throat> where we read in chapter 12 that he's cast onto the earth. This dragon is cast down onto the earth and... Um, if you look at, go back to chapter 12, verse three, it says in verse three, and there appeared another wonder in heaven and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and 10 horns and seven crowns upon his head. So this dragon that has seven heads with 10 crowns, he's cast onto the earth. And then in chapter 13, verse one, it says, and I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and 10 horns and upon his horn, 10 crowns and upon his head, the name of blasphemy. So I believe that this is the picture of that dragon being cast down onto the earth and coming up out of the earth has this beast who has seven heads and ten crown, ten horns, and upon his horn ten crowns. So, in twelve three, the seven heads have ten crowns. Here in twelve in thirteen one, it's seven heads with ten horns, and those ten horns have the seven crowns. So, we could see the similarity between the dragon and this beast here. Verse two it says, and the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard and his feet were as the feet of a bear and his mouth has the mouth of a lion and the dragon gave him his power and his seat in great authority. So this beast, which many have labeled as the Antichrist, um, I'm just going to call it for what the scriptures are calling it right here. And that is the beast. And as you get into revelations, he doesn't lose that title has the beast. I believe in revelation 17, um, there's more unpacking of this beast, but he's continued with the title beast 
the second beast that we see in Revelations 13 is clearly titled by the scriptures has the false prophet. So we can let scripture interpret scripture. I'm going to call this beast the beast. And again, many commentators have referred to this beast as the Antichrist. And I'm not an objection to that, but I'm just going to stick closely to what the scriptures are saying. And that is this beast has uh, seven heads, 10 horns. Those 10 horns have seven crowns upon them. And this beast receives the power of the dragon, the seat of the dragon, and the authority of the dragon. This beast is filled with the great dragon and his power and his seat and his authority. Verse 3. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. So again, I want to make it very clear that I'm not trying to exposit these verses verse by verse. Um, we can go to Daniel 7, we can go to Revelation 17, and that in those areas, Second Thessalonians, to help exposit more of it. But what I really want to do is just lay out the chronological order so that we can see. So we're not just playing tin the, pin the tail on the Antichrist and labeling everything as the mark of the beast. You know, some people have said, oh, this mask, this mask that we're being mandated to wear is like the mark of the beast. If you don't wear the mask, you can't go into the store and you can't buy, you can't, you know, it's not the mark of the beast. And that's what we have to understand. We have to really tear into the scriptures to see that God has given us a clear chronological order how, how things are going to lay out before the mark of the beast takes place. So the first thing we see, let's start getting into this chronological order. The first thing we see is Satan and his angels lose their battle in heaven against Michael, the archangel, and the other angels in heaven that war against this dragon, Satan. He's cast onto the earth. And then in chapter 13, verse 1, this beast rises out of the earth. So that could be, um, you know, this beast receiving his authority, his power after Satan has been cast onto the earth. This beast rising out of the earth. Okay, so we're going to see this beast rise out of the earth who has seven heads. Okay. And ten crowns, which are ten kings. So we can easily interpret that. And again, going back to Daniel chapter 2. Uh, the, the statue, the vision of Nebuchadnezzar, the last, obviously the last empire has 10 toes, which is 10 kings. Revel, uh, Daniel chapter 7 also points that I believe Daniel 7 um, verses uh, 20 and 24, verse 7, 7, verse 7, verse 20, verse 24 also makes reference of these 10 kings. Obviously, we can gather from this that this beast is going to have 10 kings that are uh, confederate with him and are going to be in um, cahoots with him doing his business. And that is persecuting. That is bringing about this, executing this great wrath of the dragon upon the earth. Okay, so when we see this beast build a confederacy of 10 nations or 10 kings, that are connected with him, tightly connected together, has 10 kings, and tightly connected together with this beast, we can pretty much say that beast could very well be filled with 
the power, the seat, and the authority of Satan. Okay, so I don't see that taking place right now. I don't see that happening anywhere in the eastern part of the world or in the western part of the world. I see a lot of um, I see a lot of confusion. I see a lot of discontinuous con discontinuous. Uh, I see a lot of disconnect amongst political leaders across the board, west and east. I see a lot of people striving for power in the east and the west. Okay, so I don't see any of this um, tightly knitted connection between this a one world power or one world leader and 10 kings totally in submission and connection with him. I don't see that yet. And I don't think anybody would disagree with that statement. We don't see that yet. We see a lot of confusion and a lot of disconnect taking place. Verse three, and I saw one of his heads as it was wounded to death and his deadly wound was healed and all the world went after the beast. So again, we haven't seen that yet either. We haven't seen this beast rise. We haven't seen these 10 kings. We haven't seen his deadly wound. We haven't seen um, it. Obviously, we haven't seen a deadly wound, so we haven't seen it be healed. But when we see those things, we're also going to see the whole world wonder after the beast okay so when we start to see these things then we know that we're on the ground of these three and a half years then we know that something else is major is about to take place okay so verse four it says and all the world wondered after the beast and then verse four says and they who's the they all the world and they worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshiped the beast saying, who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? So we are going to see all those in the world that run after the beast began to worship the dragon. Remember, this is about worship. Satan is after worship. And the primary focal point or the primary focus of Satan working through this beast is to get his worship that he desires from the world, from all those that are inhabiting the world. So through this miracle of his being wounded, but yet being healed, the world wonders after this beast. And then they begin to worship the dragon who is Satan, who is deceiving them because he deceived the whole world. Verse four, and they gave, and they worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, "Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with the beast?" So, when we begin to see true satanic worship, people worshiping Satan and worshiping this beast, who is obviously the image of Satan, who is a spirit, and this beast is putting a physical element or a physical body to satan this dragon just as jesus put a physical element to god who is a spirit so this beast is going to put a physical reality to satan and they're going to be worshiping the dragon satan and they're going to be worshiping 
this beast. Again, I don't see any of that happening right now. Yes, we see people who are Satanists and who are worshiping Baphomet and worshiping Satan, but not at this level. Not at this level. We don't see this. Again, what do we have to see? We have to see that confederacy of 10 kings coming together, surrounding this beast, working in conjunction with this beast. And that beast is going to suffer a deadly wound. And that deadly wound is going to be healed. And the whole world is going to see this. And they're going to wander after the beast. And they're going to worship Satan, the dragon. And they're going to worship this beast. And then in verse 5, And there was given unto him a mouth, that is the beast. The beast is going to receive this mouth. And what's he going to do? He's going to speak great things and blasphemies. So he may curse God, he may speak against God, he may speak against Jesus, but I think the blasphemies that he's going to speak is the demand to be worshipped. Again, we can go to 2 Thessalonians. We can look at other parts of the scripture to see that he is going to declare himself to be God and greater than anything that could be God. He's going to declare himself to be God and he's going to demand to be worshipped. That is blasphemy. That is blasphemy. The Pharisees and the Jews of Jesus' day, I think it's in John 8 and in the Gospel of Mark, Mark and other areas of the Gospels, but they declared Jesus was blasphemy because he called himself the Son of God. So it's not so much to speak evil against God, that is this blasphemy is, but rather to declare himself to be God. And again, we can go back to Isaiah 14 and see the, the heart of Satan in Isaiah 14 starting in verse 12. The heart of Satan is to be like the Most High God, to be worshipped, to declare himself greater than God, and to be more than the true God, and to demand worship, and to, be, to even think that he's worthy of worship as God is blasphemy. But I believe that's the great mouth that is going to be given unto him. That's the great blaspheming that he is going to be spewing. And by this point, he is going to be being worshipped by many in the world. They will not be deceived in who they're worshipping. They're going to be worshipping Satan and this beast. And verse 5 goes on and says, And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. So forty-two months. That's three and a half years. Just like... Uh, where it said earlier in Revelations 12, where he's going to, you know, persecute the, 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 the Jews for a time and times and a half a time. That's three and a half years, 42 months. Verse six, and he opened his mouth in blaspheming against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. So he turns his focus of where he had been kicked out of God in the in heaven, and he begins to blaspheme everything. He just this this beast goes rogue. He is going to be a blasphemer against God in a way that is going to surpass any world leader that we've ever seen. Past Hitler, past uh, Stalin, past any of the Roman leaders during the first three centuries. He is going to surpass all world leaders in his blaspheming and in his power and his authority because he is going to receive the fullness of that power from Satan who is cast onto the earth for a short season. 
He's going out and he's going to go out with the bang that the world has never seen before. Period. Period. Verse 7. After he turns his attentions to the heavens to do this great blasphemy, and again, this is going to be something that will be visible and obvious and known throughout the whole world. Think about it. Please, beloved, think about this. Think about how quick fake news travels. Think about how quick bad news travels. Can you imagine this, this beast that the whole world has wondered after, that has received this massive death blow and was healed, and, and the whole world is wondering after him, or the whole world is chanting, who can make war with this beast, and, and worshiping Satan, and worshiping this beast? And he's making these great charges of being something greater than the creator of heaven and earth and blaspheming the name of God and all that is in heaven and blaspheming all the heavenly hosts. Can you imagine this being on every on the front page of every newspaper? Every news outlet that is worshiping this beast is placarding it. We're seeing it live on YouTube, Facebook, I mean, Twitter, everywhere that you could possibly push this through, it's going to be pushed through. It's going to be in our faces. It's going to be in our faces. Everyone's going to be talking about it. This is going to be such a challenging time for God's people. That's why the loud voice said, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. You think about how the United States is so divided right now, politically, and the people that are involved in politics are just as divided. You have many Christians who uphold Trump as this great Cyrus, and then you have other Christians that laugh and say, that's not, that's ridiculous. He's just another political leader. That's it, you know, and um, there's fights amongst Christians over Donald Trump. And then there's the far left that hate Donald Trump, can't stand him, and, and you have uh, your conservatives that will speak positive Donald Trump, and they'll be attacked by those on the left for speaking positive Donald Trump. So can you imagine Christians standing up to the world and saying, listen, this man is full of Satan. Do not worship him. Can you imagine the persecution that Christians and Jews will go through in that day? trying to save their souls from being damned for worshiping Satan and worshiping this beast before it's too late. So after this beast blasphemes God and the name of God and the tabernacle of God and all those that dwell in heaven, he then turns his focus in verse 7, and it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. Again, Daniel 7.21 speaks of this. But notice how in 12, verse 11, chapter 12, verse 11, it speaks of us, the church, that we overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony and that we love not our lives unto death. 
So as we're seeing this, the church that is seeing this happening and unveiling and unraveling, this is the time where Jesus said, lift up your head for your redemption draws nigh. This is, won't be a time of fear. I can guarantee you that the church that is alive during this and seeing this unveil, this won't be a time of fear, but this will be a time of great faith. This will be a time where we will know, the church will know that they are about to behold their Savior, their Lord, their Master with their very eyes the very lover of the soul, the very one that they have been longing to behold, they will know that their time is near where they will be able to see their master face to face. And we won't have to wonder how are we going to overcome, what's going to happen. We are going to overcome by the blood of the lamb, by the word of our testimony, and by not loving our lives unto death. And it is given to him to make war with us. And it is given to him to overcome us, the church. And he is going to have power over all kindreds, over all tongues, and over all nations. The whole world. The whole world. There is not one world leader that has that power and that authority right now. So again, for those of you that like to play pin the tail on the Antichrist, you're doing a great disservice to yourself and to those that you're spewing this to. There's a gentleman on YouTube, since Donald Trump became president, he has been adamant of calling Donald Trump the Antichrist. You don't see any of these things here in Revelations 13 taking place in Donald Trump's life. You don't see it. So to be calling him the Antichrist right now is wrong. It's not being led of the Spirit of God at all. Because there is nothing that we have viewed from verse 1 up until this point in verse 7 that Donald Trump fits into. He doesn't fit into it. And there's not one world leader. There is not one leader on the earth right now that we can say is walking these things out right now. Not one. Not one leader. Not the Chinese leader, not the leader of Turkey, Erdogan, not the Saudi Arabian king, not Iran. There's not one leader in the world, beloved, that has been given this power and this authority. Not one. So it's premature to be playing pin the tail on the Antichrist. And it's very spiritually immature to be doing the same. Verse 8, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundations of the world. So at this point, those who have rejected Jesus Christ, those who have rejected the blood of Jesus to cleanse them, those that are not filled with the Holy Spirit will be worshiping this beast. Then verse 9, if any man have an ear, let him hear. There's a plead there for us to hear. Verse 10. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killed with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patient and the faith of the saints. Here is our patience and our faith being tried. Well, let me say this. Being perfected. It's being perfected. 
And for those, and again, I'm not going to get into this, but for those that would say, well, that's not the church, the church has already been raptured, you can't find any such teaching anywhere in the scriptures. Jesus never said in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21, before he gave the, his, his layout, his description of the tribulation period, he never told his disciples, he never told us, but don't you worry, before this happens, I will rescue you, I will rapture you out. He never, ever tells us that. We have hope that our sins are forgiven because the Bible tells us so. Colossians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1. We have hope in eternal life because the Bible tells us so. We can only have hope in which the Bible gives us hope in. And the Bible never gives us a hope in a pre-trib rapture. And this does not, then here in this verse, in verse 10, it calls them the saints, not tribulation saints. It calls them saints. There's no such term as tribulation saints. It's man-made. It's a man-made term. It calls them saints. And the New Testament uses the word saints in description to the church almost as much as it uses the word church or assembly. I believe the word saints is used in the Bible, in the New Testament, at least 60 times. Let me do a quick search on um, Blue Letter Bible. In the King James Bible, the word saints is used 61 times. Paul the Apostle spoke of the church that he was writing to, the churches that he would write to, he spoke of them as being saints. Just one example, 2 Corinthians 1, 1, it says, with all the saints which are in all Achaia. So right there you have it. Um, in 2 Corinthians 8, 4, he says, the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. 2 Corinthians 9, 1, for as touching the ministering to the saints. So again, you see that, and again, um, I believe the NIV and other translations, they, they don't use the word saints, they use the word holy ones, but that's going to be consistent even up into Revelations 13. So we see that the church hasn't been raptured. The church is still very much present here in Revelations 13. And they are reaching a point where their patience and faith is being perfected. So just real quick, let's just recap. This beast in Revelations 13, this beast cannot come about until Satan has been kicked out of the heavens and he has been sealed to the earth. Then this beast comes about and he comes about with 10 other kings that give them their authority and are in confederate with one another and with this beast. This beast who receives the power, the seat and the authority of the dragon, which is Satan, will suffer a deadly wound and that deadly wound will be healed. All those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life will begin to worship the dragon, will begin to worship the beast. And then he goes out and he begins to blaspheme like none other. And he blasphemes the name of God. He blasphemes the God's tabernacle and all those that dwell in heaven. And then he sets his sights on the saints to make war with them and to overcome them. And then he receives power over all kindreds, over all tongues and over all nations 
And all the earth will begin to worship this beast whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. All those things are going to be so obvious, so evident, so visible to the whole world that we will know. We will be able to line it up. We'll be, we won't be searching from Daniel and 2 Thessalonians and Revelations trying to figure out this beast. We will be applying the scriptures saying he fits the bill 100%. Look at that. Those 10 kings are in complete confederacy with him. Oh, look at that. Did you see that beast suffered a deadly wound? Whoa, his deadly wound was healed. Look at the whole world is deceived and worshiping Satan openly and blatantly. And the beast, they're worshiping the beast. And look now, he's making war with all the saints. Look, he's blaspheming the name of God. He's blaspheming God's tabernacle, which is very interesting because just his acts of blaspheming the name of God and blaspheming God's tabernacle and blaspheming all those that dwell in heaven, that within itself will be evidence against atheism. This beast will give more credibility for the re reality and the existence of the one true God because why would he be fighting against him? Why would he be blaspheming against him? Anyway, that's a side note. There's going to be huge captivity being taking place. There's going to be huge wars, battles taking place. And it's going to be a great time of patience and faith for the saints. So after all that happens, after that whole chronological order, and it's clear again, this has to take place before that has to take place. That has to take place before this has to take place. So it's clear. It's a chronological order of how these things will happen. And then in verse 11, And I beheld another beast coming out of the earth. So again, if the first beast wasn't enough, you get another beast. And he has two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. So I believe that the Bible tells us in Revelation 17, I would say that this is the false prophet right here. And he has two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. Verse 12, and he exercises all the power of the first beast before him. And he causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he doth great wonders so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he hath power to do in the sight of the beast. Saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. So now we get some information about where that deadly wound comes from. I would say that the Bible when speaking of the words, when using the, the, the term sword, is usually in reference to war. So we could see that this beast who probably goes out, the first beast, who probably goes out raging war, making war, suffers a wound that is deadly by the sword, by war, but it's healed. So we could see that. We can just, by using that these verses, we can see that the wound, that deadly wound that the first beast suffers is going to be in a war, a time of war. But it's going to be miraculously healed. And it's going to be seen and known throughout the whole world that the, that the whole world goes after this beast as saying 
There it is. Do you know that man is trying to find eternal life apart from God? Do you know that the science community and the tech community are coming together and they're trying to figure out a way to put consciousness inside of the robots? They already know how to build human-like robots, but they just want to try to get consciousness into it so that they can live forever. They want to create an eternal being. They much rather go through the trouble and the time and the effort and the money to build an eternal being than to repent of their wickedness and surrender to the eternal one, Jesus Christ. He is the eternal being and he has eternal life and only he can give, give eternal life. The world as we know it today is after eternal life apart from the eternal God. And to me, that is eternally stupid. This second beast, who we could probably call the false prophet, is going to do all this beast is going to do great wonders. Verse 13, he's going to make fire to come down from heaven onto the earth in the sight of men. And it's going to be for the purpose of deceiving those that dwell upon the earth. His miracles are going to be for the purpose of deception. And he's going to command that those that dwell on the earth, that they make an image to the beast. And then verse 15, we see something very interesting. And he, that is the beast, the second beast, the false prophet, he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. So this second beast is going to have power to give life to the image that is made to the first beast, which some call the Antichrist, and that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many was not worshipped, the image of the beast should be killed. So again, we're seeing a replay of the Daniel 2 scenario, or I'm sorry, the book of Daniel, where King Nebuchadnezzar has an image made and those that will not worship it are put to death. Same thing. And then verse 16, and he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead. And that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Period. Okay, so the mark... It's going to be a mark. And the mark is going to be connected to the name of the beast or to the number of his name. It's going to be a visible mark. And it's going to identify those who take it with their worship to the beast. It's all about worship, brothers and sisters. It's all about worship. 
So I don't think for a minute that it's going to be something hidden in the skin that no one will be able to see. It's going to be a mark. Marks are visible. So if it is a chip that's implanted in the right hand or in the forehead, it's going to be a visible mark that ties you with your allegiance through worship to Satan, to the dragon, and to this image. I'm sorry, to Satan, the dragon, and the first beast, and to this image who is connected to the first beast. And it's all going to be about worship. It's all going to be about worship. So let's recap this second beast. What is the chronological order that we see of the second beast? The second beast, he comes out of the earth. So I would say he comes out of, out of the humans. Out of, he, comes, he rises out of mankind. He has two horns like a lamb. So I would say he's going to have an element of a false Christ to him as well. Okay, a false prophet. He's going he's gonna to be... Um, I would say he's going to have some some trademarks or some marks to an antichrist as well. Okay, I would say that's why it says two horns like a lamb. He's going to come off possibly gentle like a lamb. Um, but he's going to speak as a dragon. He's going to be demonic in his speech. He's going to he's going to have a, an external that may look like a lamb. Innocent has a lamb. But when he speaks, it's going to be diabolical. And he's going to exercise all the power of the first beast. And he's going to cause the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast. Okay, so he's obviously going to focus on the whole earth to worship the first beast. Okay, so first thing that's going to happen is this beast is going to rise up. He's going to have some characteristics of a lamb. He's going to be a false prophet. He's going to speak like a dragon. He's going to be diabolical in his speech. And he's going to exercise all the first power. I mean, he's going to exercise all the power of the first beast. So his power is going to be very similar to that of the first beast. And then he's going to cause those that are on the earth to worship the first beast. He's going to do great wonders. He's going to make fire to come down from heaven in the sight of men. Think about it. Um, I'm recording this on, on uh, August 8th. And we just witnessed the explosion, the massive explosion there in Beirut. We here in the United States were able to view that massive explosion almost immediately when it happened. Through Facebook, through YouTube, through all kinds of other, through the news media outlets, everyone was able to witness it. And everyone to this day, this morning, I was able to watch uh, somebody who does prophecy updates. He spent some time discussing it and what it could have possibly or who could have been behind it, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, my point is this is after days after it happened, people are still talking about it. Can you imagine us seeing fire come down from heaven onto earth by this beast? And he's doing it to draw people to worship the first beast. Everyone's going to see it. And everyone will be talking about it days after it happens. And because we were created to worship. Can you imagine? Those whose names are not written in the book of the Lamb. The Lamb's book of life. How they will be pushing this. 
And again, it's going to be in our faces. It's going to be in our faces. He's going to do miracles. And the whole purpose of these miracles in verse 14, he's going to do them in the sight of the beast. Obviously connecting those miracles with the beast for the purpose of worship. And then we're going to see or we're going to hear of him command those that dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast. So again, we can go back to Daniel's picture of this, but we can also go back to when they came out of Egypt, before they came into the promised land, Israel was tempted with this image that was made by their own people, by their fellow Israelites, by their fellow brethren, made this image and began to worship this image. So before they entered into the promised land, they were tempted with this, and many of them were killed for worshiping this, and many of them were judged for their worship of this image. And that whole generation didn't get to go to the promised land because of their rebellion against God. We too will be tempted with that image in our day. But that image in the days of Moses and the image of King Nebuchadnezzar was only a small foreshadowing of this image that is going to receive life. Life will be given to this image. The, the second beast, the false prophet, will give life to this image. And the image is going to be the image of the beast. And that image is going to, be, is going to um, demand that those that don't worship it to be killed. So I would say here that there's going to be many, not just Christians and Jews, but there will be some that will not worship it and they're going to be killed. And then we see, then we see the command for all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And without this, they won't be able to buy or sell. And this mark is going to be, in con con it's going to be connected to the name of the beast and to the number of his name. And then verse 18 closes out says, Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 603 score and 6. Brothers and sisters, do you see that the very last thing that is implemented is the mark of the beast? That is the last thing that is implemented. The mark of the beast is the last thing implemented. So why are we even wasting time trying to point out what's the mark of the beast when we haven't even seen None of these things fulfilled yet. None of these things in Revelation 13 have even been fulfilled yet. None of them. We haven't even seen the Antichrist rise up. We haven't seen the confederacy of these 10 kings come together with the Antichrist. We haven't seen this one individual have power over all kindreds of tongues and nations. We haven't seen him blaspheme the name of God and his tabernacle and those that dwell in his heaven. We haven't seen these things take place yet. So they're probably going to pass a vaccine for this coronavirus. They may force it, but it's not the mark of the beast. Don't die on that hill. Don't die on that hill. Listen, if you are a born-again believer, Satan would love to do, Satan would love to take you out. But by you refusing to take the vaccine, and yes, they're going to probably tie it with not being able to go into a store, not being able to go to work. And yeah, your whole livelihood could crumble and you could die because of it. 
um, because you won't be able to eat, blah, blah, blah. But listen, you are a witness. You are a witness for Jesus Christ. You can be used to reach souls. And if Satan can take you out prematurely, he will. We need to exercise wisdom. A vaccine is not the mark of the beast. Brothers and sisters, don't lose sight of this chronological order. I've written this chronological order out on a notepad. And before we get to the false prophet, uh, there's 10 things that, that, that the first beast fulfills. There's 10 things in chronological order that the first beast fulfills. The 11th thing is that second beast. And then under that second beast, there's five things that are chronologically fulfilled by him in order and the last one is the mark the last thing is the mark the first beast if it is the first beast is that antichrist which i don't have an issue with that but the first beast isn't the one to implement a mark it's not his doing it's the second beast that does it do not be deceived by those people out there that want to play pin the tail on the Antichrist and want to label this, that, and the other has the mark of the beast. Don't be deceived by it. God has given us his word and it's laid out for us and it's very, very, very clear in chronological order. We will know when Satan has been kicked out of heaven because we will see this beast rise out of the earth that has the same characteristics as that dragon in Revelations 12, 3. That is seven heads and ten horns. We see that. We will know when we see this beast rise out of the earth with ten ten horns who are ten kings, Revelation 17 clearly tells us that, okay? When we see that, and we see that this beast begins to make war and suffers a deadly wound, but it is healed, and the whole world goes after him, and it emboldens him to begin to blasting the name of God. And he begins to declare himself to be God. When we see these things start to happen, now we know that's the Antichrist. And from there we can say, Another beast is going to rise up pretty soon. And we'll see it. And when we see that beast rise up, we can expect miracles. False miracles. Fire being coming down from heaven. And we can say he's going to build an image to the first beast, to the Antichrist. We'll know that. But I plan on being dead. If I'm alive during this time, I plan on being dead when the image is built because I won't worship it. I will refuse to worship that beast. And I hope you will. And I won't look to my own strength. I won't look to me in any way, shape, or matter to overcome. I will look to the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony that will be given to me by the Holy Spirit to proclaim and to declare. And it will be by the blood of the Lamb. And it will be by the word of my testimony that I will refuse to worship any beast, any image. So look, I would say that the, the whole Black Lives Matter and, and um, demanding that white people bow down and, and, and apologize and, and what have you, 
that might be a precursor to that image. It may be, but it's not that. It's far from it. We're far from it. This beast that is being worshipped will not want anyone or anything else to be worshipped other than himself and anything else that is connected to him, like his image and like his number and his name. It will be pretty obvious who the Antichrist is. It'll be obvious. He will make it obvious because he has a short time. His glory will be short-lived. If you want to call it glory, we'll call it demonic. But his time, his time of glory, his time of being worshipped will be short-lived. Because the Bible tells us that the Antichrist, the beast, the false prophet, will be cast into the lake of fire alive. We get the victory, brothers and sisters, through Jesus Christ. While we are here on earth, Jesus promised us persecution, tribulation, be hated for his namesake. We will have to suffer. But we were already told those things. We were promised that we would suffer. Yea, and all that live, will live godly in Jesus Christ will suffer persecution. It is a manifest token, Paul said in 2 Thessalonians, that we suffer tribulation for our God, for our Savior. But we get the eternal victory, brothers and sisters. So I beg you, take this Revelations 13 and write it out, do a chronological study on it and memorize it because if we're alive during that time, if we're alive to see it, and we have this memorized, the Spirit of God will prompt us, the Spirit of God will bring it back to remembrance and we'll be able to pinpoint it. Amen? Father, in the wonderful name of your Son, Jesus, Father, I pray that you give us wisdom, Lord. I pray that you give us wisdom. I pray that you give us the strength of your Spirit to endure this dark hour that we're living in. And Father, that we would have that faith knowing that you are that you are with us and that you are rewarder of those that diligently seek you so as we diligently seek you concerning this matter that you would give us wisdom you would give us hope and you would give us faith to endure and to continue with the mission that your son jesus gave us and that is to make disciples father it's in the name of your holy son my lord and savior i pray amen